Black is the new black. It's the absence of visible light. It symbolized the underworld in ancient Egypt and Greece, death and mourning for the Romans. It is the color of night when potential dangers cannot easily be discerned and the human imagination runs wild, fearful of what might be. To be fair, black is not always associated with negative things. It's often used to symbolize authority. After all, this is what judges wear. In the Middle East, it can sometimes mean rebirth, and in many African cultures, black is a symbol of masculinity and maturity. In China, it means good health and prosperity, and in Japan, it means mystery and feminine energy. Black is the color of my true love's hair, says the Appalachian folk ballad that probably got a start in Scotland. But we Westerners certainly seem to have a problem with black. Arthur Rambeau's lovely poem, Vowels, has the sound for the letter A as black. Quote, black velvety jacket of brilliant flies which buzz around cruel smells, gulfs of shadow. That's not so great. So it should come as no surprise that there are plenty of conspiracy theories involving things that are black. We're not talking about race here, but nefarious things like evil children, Soviet cars, government aircraft, and alien satellites. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. Hit the Black Eyed Kids, B-E-Ks, they seek you out, maybe at a park, maybe hitchhiking on the side of the road, or maybe begging for small change. Maybe they're wearing outdated clothing, they are lost, they are homeless, they are helpless, they need to get into your car or into your home, and they are very persistent. And the moment that you let them in, you feel an overwhelming dread. There's something just not right about them. For starters, their eyes are totally black. Black, 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 black. So goes the urban legend that's been around since probably at least the 1980s. There's a paranormal investigator named Lee Brinkley who says that in 1982, his then 18-year-old aunt was hanging out with friends in Cannock Chase in England's Staffordshire, just north of Birmingham, when they heard a young girl calling out for help. They ran towards the voice and saw a girl of about six years old running away. They caught up to her and turned her around, only to see that her eyes were totally black, no whites of the eyes at all. Startled, the aunt let go and 
Startled, the ant let go and the girl ran off into the woods. The teenagers called the police, who searched the area, but found no trace of the mysterious, creepy little girl. This event, told by someone in his own family, is part of what inspired him to devote his life to looking into the strange and the unexplained and write a book titled UFOs, Werewolves, and the Pigman in 2013. In January this year, he just published his second book, The Black-Eyed Children of Canuck Chase, a continued investigation into England's strangest location. He first wrote his aunt's unnerving tale in a blog post in 2013. After that blog post, Brinkley's tale was written about in the Birmingham Mail the next year, and then in 2015 in the Daily Star. And the reporter for the Star hung around the area for a while asking questions about the region and especially about the local pub, the Four Crosses Inn. This is a classic half-timber building built in 1636 right there on the A5 in the hamlet of Four Crosses, just down the road from Tumbledown Farm. The inn is famous for having multiple hauntings, so many in fact that they had to close down. The disembodied sobbing of children, half-seen figures, things being moved when no one is looking, a ghostly roundhead soldier hanging out in the men's lavatory, a full-grown woman weeping incessantly in the women's lavatory, another man in a long dark coat standing in the car park looking longingly at the building, a disheveled teen girl who walks through walls, and yes, black-eyed children. What the heck could all this be about? Brinkley says it might not be supernatural. The area has long been used by the British military for all kinds of secret covert things, and there have long been rumors that there are chemicals all over the place. Maybe these chemicals are poisoning people and they're hallucinating. Maybe. Or maybe it is supernatural. In the 1960s, Raymond Morris sexually assaulted and killed three children, ages 5 to 7, and another victim, age 9, survived through sheer luck. These were known as the Canuck Chase Murders, and this case was the first time in the UK that a facial composite was used to help jog potential witnesses' memories. Morris was caught and convicted, sentenced to life imprisonment in 1969. He died in 2014, age 84, having served 45 years. So perhaps some people say in the area, it's the ghosts of his victims. Maybe there were lots of other victims that no one ever knew about. Some of the older people in the area say that the ghostly children might be connected to the Cornovi, a Celtic tribe that once lived there a long time ago and who were known to practice blood sacrifice. Similar tales of creepy black-eyed kids would emerge over the years and the phenomenon eventually got shortened to BEK or black-eyed kids. They've been reported in Liverpool, in Scotland, and all through the southwest of England. So maybe none of those explanations by the people in Canuck Chase are good ones unless the ghosts have a rail pass. So Brinkley writes about this in a blog post in 2013, but actually the BEK trope predates that. Now, before social media, one way people stayed in touch as a group was through email lists. On one such list, mainly about ghosts called The Ghost Channel, a man named Brian Bethel, a journalist from Abilene, Texas, wrote to his fellow ghosters, as they were known, on the topic of, quote, those darned black-eyed kids. His post from January 16, 1998, recounts the following incident. At 9.30 at night, he was in his car to drop off a payment for his internet provider at a drop box in a shopping area. Next door, there was a $1.50 cinema showing the 1995 film Mortal Kombat. He was using the light from the cinema marquee to write his checkout 
when he heard a knocking at his car window. He looked up and saw two children staring at him, two boys between 10 and 14 years old, he estimates. He rolled down his window and asked, yes? The taller boy smiled, but in a kind of a creepy way that he says, quote, chilled my blood. Brian noticed the boy's teeth were very, very white, even by American standards. The boy explained that he and his friend wanted to go see the movie, but realized they'd forgotten their money at home when they got to the cinema. So, would Brian give them a ride back to their house so they could get their money? Brian hesitated, and the second boy, who never spoke, seemed surprised that Brian didn't immediately agree to help them, and became somewhat agitated. The first one said, really, they just need to get into the car so that he can take them home, so that they can get their money, and quote, we're just two little boys. Brian looked at the cinema again and noticed that the film had started an hour ago, so something seemed off. If he took them home, and then presumably took them back, they'd only catch the last half hour or so. And the kids were creepy. He dithered some more, and then the taller boy locked eyes with him, and Brian found his hand moving towards the door, seemingly of its own accord. And it was then that he noticed the boy's eyes for the first time. They were totally black. This revelation startled him, and he got control of his hand and stopped. The boy became more insistent, saying things like, what's well, not like we have a gun, in a way that seemed to suggest that they wouldn't need a gun, and finally shouting at him that they couldn't come in unless he said it was okay, so he should just do that. Brian was now panicked, so he started the car and reversed out of there like a bat out of hell. As he started to drive off, he looked back, but the two boys had vanished. He mentioned this to some of his friends. One thought the whole needing to be invited thing indicated that maybe they were vampires. A female friend who claimed to have psychic ability told him that the previous week she'd had a dream about children with all black eyes trying to get her to let them into her house. And a while later, another friend told him that he had also encountered creepy black-eyed children when he was in Portland, Oregon. Children that kept insisting that he let them into his car. This seems to be the first documented mention anywhere of black-eyed children. Brian got a lot of response, and the BEK thing quickly became a creepypasta. This is a funny term that mixes copy and paste with the word creepy. Creepypasta are scary stories that start off on and circulate around the internet, often written in a way that makes them seem like they're just someone communicating a real story, sort of like a written equivalent of found footage movies like The Blair Witch Project. There are sporadic literary flourishes sometimes, but the story is often presented as if totally true. Several notable new urban legends would come out of the creepypasta world, like the Shadow People, beings made of shadows, and the Slender Man, a really, really, really thin humanoid who kills. So, was Brian really just an early pioneer of creepypasta? He says no, but many others say yes. But what about all these sightings, not just in the UK, but also Canada, Australia, the United States, and elsewhere? Creepypasta stories tend to be treated in a sort of postmodern, ironic way by people who read them. People talk about them as if they're true and that they believe them, even though everybody involved in the conversation knows that they aren't true and nobody actually believes it. And then some people will push them out into the world as if they are true in an effort to troll the masses and the gullible. And some people really are quite gullible, and then they start to believe them as fact. I mean, this is, after all, how urban legends get started. Bloody Mary and the Monkey's Paw, which was actually a short story, and the Hook, Thump Thump Drag, and all the rest. And then some people will start to claim that these things actually happened to them or someone close to them. Why do they do this? Nobody knows. 
to get attention and notoriety maybe, or maybe sometimes the person's a little bit mentally ill. They sort of hallucinate elements from the stories. Now, of course, you say children with black eyes and no fan of the X-Files can't not think of the icky black oil, which in that mythology is an alien virus being used to invade and control people. Black Black eyes. eyes! But I can't help but think of what I still think of as one of the creepiest movies ever made, the 1960 film Village of the Damned. But those creepy kids have white eyes, not black ones. So, probably an internet story. Maybe inspired a little bit by The X-Files, maybe also by a 1960 British science fiction film, got supersized in the way that things do on the internet and in the U.S., and yet some people seem to believe that BEKs are real, or at least they say they believe it. Maybe they're ghosts, or they're vampires, or they're aliens, or they're interdimensional beings trapped here. Some serious researchers have actually looked into it, but have found nothing at all to verify any of the sighting claims. Some with a background in comparative mythologies have noticed similarities between BEK stories and those of the ghostly black dog in Britain, sightings of which date back all the way to the 1600s. Sometimes with glowing eyes, the black dog is often an omen of death. This was used as a motif in the Sherlock Holmes book, The Hand of the Baskervilles. But there are also black dog stories from Latin America and from New England in the United States. And some American long-distance truck drivers report seeing black dogs with glowing eyes on the roadside just before imminent crashes. And, of course, there's the Appalachian legend of the woman in black, which dates back to the first decade of the 20th century, a mysterious figure who would suddenly appear and slap around men who were cheating on their wives or staying out too late drinking or basically just being men behaving badly. Sometimes she even killed them. Quite a few notable men claim to have seen the woman in black, including a Nebraska congressman who, after his near miss with the woman in black, straightened up and flew right. So what are we to make of Lee Brinkley's tale of his aunt's 1982 experience in Canuck Chase? Did he make it up after reading a creepypasta based on Brian Bethel's almost certainly fictional email story? Or is it just a weird coincidence that a woman in England and a man in Texas have similar unexplainable experiences 16 years and 4,700 miles apart? Or maybe BEKs are real. After all, an astonishing 600,000 people go missing every year in the United States alone. That's 1,600 a day, which works out to more than one a minute every minute all the time. Something must be causing it. So why can't it be black-eyed children? Black Black Volgas. In the 1960s and 70s, there was another urban legend, but this time in Soviet Russia, Belarus and Ukraine, Poland, Hungary, and Mongolia, as well as, oddly enough, Greece. This was that black... And every once in a while red, but usually black, GAZ-21 and GAZ-24 Volga automobiles with white rims and white curtains in the windows would drive around and abduct people, especially children. And then those people were never seen again. What was it? Was it the secret police? Maybe. Or maybe some said it was Russian criminals, mafiosos. Others said it was Catholics, nuns, or priests. No, no, it's Jews. No, it's vampires. No, 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 it's Satanists. Some even said, no, it's Satan himself. After all, 
My uncle said that he saw one of those cars, but it had horns in place of wing mirrors and three sixes in the license plate. I mean, that's kind of a dead giveaway right there, okay? Well, what did these nasty types, whoever they were, want with the children? Well, the rumor mill said, their blood was being used as a cure for leukemia by rich Arabs and Western capitalists, of course, and or their organs were being used in transplants to keep these villains alive longer. And sometimes it was just to kill for the pleasure of killing. The driver would stop and ask a person on the street for the time. This is how it worked. Then that person would die right there on the spot. Or sometimes they'd ask for the time. The person would give the time and then the driver would say, at this exact time tomorrow, you will die. And then that person would die the next day at that exact minute. Apparently, there are only two ways to avoid this grim fate. One, just avoid these cars whenever you saw them. Or when the driver asked you for the time, you should reply, it's God's time. And this makes the driver rush off ears burning because, you know, he's a Satanist or something. <laughs> it's a weird story, to be sure, and probably one that grew and got embellished over the years. Some people who look into it think it may have come from Stalin's super creepy NKVD head, Lavrenti Beria. The NKV would become the KGB in 1954 after Beria was purged and executed. There were stories that he had unusual yet insistent sexual appetites and he would have his drivers tool him around not just in Moscow but elsewhere as well and when he pointed at a young woman a car following would detain her under some pretext and she would be taken to Beria's mansion for an evening that she would probably rather forget. Sometimes he'd choose his victims in advance and simply have her arrested on trumped up charges either because she was potentially a dissident or troublesome or because she was related to someone or married to someone who was. The women, of course, were threatened to never talk about what had happened to them, and sometimes the women never came back at all, especially if they had rejected him. In the mid-90s, after the Cold War ended, several female skeletons were found buried in Beria's villa's garden. Sometimes he would promise the woman that he'd release a relative of theirs in custody if she would be compliant and then quiet about it afterwards, though very often those relatives had already been executed, but the women didn't know that. Nice guy. Look, look up, in the, up sky. in the sky. There's a lot of funny business going on above our heads. At least that's what some people think. Black, Black helicopters. helicopters. On April 17, 2018, the skies over the southern part of Manhattan and parts of Brooklyn were filled with a deep rumbling as if dozens of horses were stampeding. People looked up and saw black helicopters flying low over the streets of the city, sometimes buzzing right past apartment windows they were so low. Smartphone videos started cropping up on social media and more than a few people were, to put it mildly, freaked out. What exactly was going on? This was a training exercise run by the Army's 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, which acronyms to SOAR, which is quite nice, using a bunch of MH-60 Blackhawk and MH-6 Littlebird helicopters running what's known as a RUT, or Realistic Urban Training Exercise, piloted by some of the finest pilots in the U.S. military, the Nighthawks. The exercise had actually been announced through various channels, but not everyone had managed to see that message. Also, incidentally, this was not the first time that SOAR and the Nighthawks had conducted exercises like this over New York. But rumors started cropping up anyway, because, you know, social media is social media. 
They were CIA rendition helicopters, said at least one person on Reddit, who then went on to provide a bunch of technical aircraft registration details to somehow prove his point. It was Agenda 21, said others, though very often that was meant in a tongue-in-cheek fashion. Totally police state, other people just said. Of course, people noticed that these helicopters, running a nighttime exercise to simulate having to go after a high-level target, stop a terrorist attack, or rescue a hostage in an urban environment, were black. 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 The color color of of evil. And then they started thinking about the black helicopters that had been whispered about in conspiracy circles for decades. Well, here they were, over New York. The New New World World Order Order was was finally finally kicking kicking off. off. Black helicopters first started getting talked about in the 1970s, likely from a 1970 book called The Late Great Planet Earth by evangelist Hal Lindsey. This book became a huge bestseller, spawning an apocalypse industry that still thrives today and even a primetime TV special that netted 17 million viewers, as well as a film that was released in cinemas narrated by Orson Welles, who certainly had a great doomsday voice. The book talked about the coming rapture and the end times, which were going to happen soon, very, very soon. Among Lindsay's dire predictions and attempts to tie things in the Bible to modern times, he mentions the plague of locusts in the book of Revelation that appear after the fifth trumpet is blown, and the way that they're described in the Bible seem awfully familiar. Let's go to the good book and take a look at Revelations 9, verses 7 through 11. Quote, The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like a woman's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions, and in their tails they had the power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apelon. Clearly, said Lindsay, this is a description of some kind of super advanced helicopter, like what was being used in the Vietnam War, but maybe even more powerful. I mean, I don't know about the whole woman's hair bit and the whole torment for five months bit. I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, it's a pretty close match. After all, when John wrote the book of Revelation on that Greek island way back in 95 CE or so and had his vision, he wouldn't have had any context for an advanced flying military machine like a helicopter, so he did the best he could to describe it. Lots of other writers took this idea and really ran with it, and the idea of a bunch of super helicopters being used just at the start of some serious troubles for humanity took off. And of course, the final indignity, Lindsay said, would be nuclear war. Lindsay's book got reprinted in the 1980s, keeping the idea alive, and then in the mid-90s, there was another resurgence of apocalyptic thinking, since, you know, the world had not, in fact, ended in the 1970s, and then had not, in fact, ended in the 1980s, so it was for sure going to happen in the 90s. One of the things that kept apocalyptic thinking alive was the very popular Left Behind book series. And in 1994, attorney Linda Thompson made a schlockumentary film distributed on VHS tape about how FEMA was evil and part of the New World Order and how they use Amtrak repair facilities as secret detention camps, and she devoted a lot of time to black helicopters. This video, you can imagine, was largely ignored by most sectors of society, except the militia movement, where it became a sort of must-watch work. 
Among the ills attributed to black helicopters is buzzing around targeted people's homes in order to drive them crazy and sometimes even set their houses on fire. It seems like that long sequence of the 1990 film Goodfellas where coked up Ray Liotta gets paranoid to the soundtrack of Harry Nilsson's Jump Into the Fire really stuck with her. In January 1995, former Scientologist Jim Keith published Black Helicopters Over America, Strike Force for the New World Order, which went on and on and on about how black helicopters would be used to round people up and place them in detention camps under the auspices of the UN, which would annul all national sovereignty and declare a world government. The copters would also secretly transport troops to strategic locations around the United States, ready to pounce on the unsuspecting populace as soon as they received the order. He followed that up three years later in 98 with Black Helicopters 2, the end game strategy, going even bigger because that's what you're supposed to do in a sequel, right? Talking about black helicopters being used in bio-warfare experiments conducted on unsuspecting U.S. citizens, being connected to UFOs and cattle mutilations, and the media's complicity in covering all of this up. Even though the helicopters are also, as he says, quote, terrorizing America. The two ideas that people are being terrorized en masse and it's being covered up seem to be at odds with each other, but, you know, whatever. Keith also talks about a mysterious quadrant sign code he says is being used by the New World Order. This is supposed to be a secret code hidden on the fronts and backs of road signs across the United States. Instructions to the New World Order flunkies who will prepare the way for the enslavement of good Christian Americans. According to a big fan of this idea, Harold Green, this is all part of Operation Garden Plot, a joint venture between the UN, the US military, and the National Guard. And it's not just road signs either. Green sees evidence of the doom to come in signs at Walmart, at Target, in shopping center parking lots, pretty much anywhere that there are signs for the public. Wayfinding? More like doom finding. Using Hegg's Law, which was first talked about back in our Time Cube episode, which states that the worse a website looks, the more likely its author is crazy, then Green, who has a truly awful website, is almost certainly schizophrenic. I don't know what Jim Keith's excuse was. More likely he was an opportunist since he would later publish more books on mind control, UFOs and mind control, UFOs and secret societies, UFOs and the Illuminati, the Men in Black, Biowarfare in America, The Gemstone File, which supposedly has the secret of who really killed JFK, and The Oklahoma Bombing. Supporters note that when Jim Keith fell off a stage at Burning Man in 1991 and broke his knee, he was taken to the hospital for what should have been a routine operation, but then died while under anesthesia because a loose blood clot got into his lung. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's what happened. Very suspicious, say suspicious minds. I gotta say, a lot of this stuff sounds like the plot to the 1983 thriller Blue Thunder, starring Roy Scheider and Malcolm McDowell, written by Dan O'Bannon of Alien and Dark Star fame. Black helicopters are also used in the movie Capricorn One, and Escape from New York, as well as The X-Files and various other TV shows, and are prevalent in the Deus Ex and Secret World video games. Black helicopters can supposedly do all kinds of things that normal ones can't, like fly without a pilot and turn invisible and things like that. Why some people even speculate that they're not helicopters at all, but they are disguised alien spacecraft. Okay, whatever. Kooks and hucksters howling into the night, making a buck peddling paranoia. So what and what's new? Well, in February 1995, Helen Chenoweth, a Republican representative from Idaho, told the New York Times 
that she knew that the federal government was enforcing the Endangered Species Act in her constituency by using black helicopters and that she had proof even though she herself had never actually seen one. UFO watchers started noticing groups of unmarked black helicopters buzzing around locations where UFOs had been sighted, maybe being used to investigate the UFOs, maybe being used to cover up their existence, maybe both. The term black helicopter is now being used as an adjective for crazy conspiracy people, just like tinfoil hat used to be used in the past. Rational Wiki calls black helicopters the snake oil of the 1990s. There's a great website by a fellow named Lyle Zapato that I'm pretty sure is a culture jamming satire site that claims that black helicopters are not in fact machines but are actually living creatures created by nanobiotech by the New World Order that have a mandate to spy on the populace of the world. These helicopters start off very, very, very small and are actually implanted inside living hosts. For example, cows and are the cause of mad cow disease and cattle mutilations. He also claims he dissected one once and he has pictures. Black helicopters, he says, are also linked to Morgellons disease, which is a disease that is not real and you can only catch by reading about it on the internet, and are being combined with shape-shifting metamorphic ooze beings, known in some conspiracy circles as mobs, M-O-Bs, to become totally undetectable. Zapato says that the black helicopter bio-beings came out of a secret Soviet project that actually made those scary black Volgas I talked about a little while ago that were not cars but lab-grown bio-creatures that were shaped like cars. Black helicopters are also linked to the black-eyed children, or BEKs. He recommends using a modified fly swatter to protect yourself from them. He will sell you one. Black helicopter rumors hovered in the background, see what I did there, of mainstream media until 2015 when President Barack Obama went on Mark Marin's WTF podcast and confirmed that there are, in fact, black helicopters, but they are never deployed in the United States, he said. For example, on the 2011 raid in Abbottabad in Pakistan that ended up killing Osama bin Laden, the soldiers were actually using Sikorsky UH-60 Blackhawks that had been modified to increase their stealth capabilities, which is how they managed to fly 200 kilometers into Pakistani airspace. What's interesting to know is supposedly this stealth copter program had been discontinued five years earlier in 2006, and yet there they were in 2011. Hmm, who's lying now? Aurora, Aurora stealth, stealth Bombers, bombers and, and more. more. Black is not really that unusual or offbeat a color for aircraft, especially ones that might have noise suppression and other means to make it difficult to detect them and are going to fly at night. Back in 1985, there was a line item in the U.S. budget allocating $455 million for, quote, black aircraft production, along with the word Aurora. Turns out this was part of a Lockheed Skunk Works project, and the word Aurora, which was their umbrella term for developing various exotic aircraft, should not have appeared in the budget. It was a mistake, and alerted Congress people and some of the press to the fact that the Aurora project existed at all. In the UK, there were sightings of a triangular craft refueling in the sky from a Boeing KC-135 stratotanker, and there were rumors of a 
similarly shaped black craft crashing in Wiltshire in 1994. Surely this was part of their own version of the Aurora Project, or maybe they were American planes over British airspace. We're allies, after all, special relationship and all that. In the U.S., multiple unusually strong sonic booms were recorded in Southern California, and some people thought that these had come from Project Aurora aircraft. Odd contrails were spotted in the skies above Amarillo, Texas in 1992, and again, people said maybe Project Aurora. These contrails are a line punctuated by little circles, often called donuts on a rope, and they're made because the craft in question uses a pulse detonation engine, it's thought. Of course, some people notice that these flying black triangles match up quite nicely with many UFO reports and got them to thinking that maybe some, if not all, reported UFOs are actually secret U.S. military technologies. Other people who claimed to be a bit more in the know said actually Aurora funding eventually got rerouted to the Northrop B-2 Spirit, better known as the Stealth Bomber, which went into service in 1997 and was first used in combat in Kosovo in 1999. It's kind of a wing-shaped, kind of triangular, and it's also black. Some in the UFO community note that Wright-Patterson Air Force Base was part of the Stealth Bomber program and even housed some in the noughties, and that is also where Project Blue Book and its predecessor Sign and Grudge were based. Hmm, makes you think. Recovered alien technology, anyone? A blogspot site called Who Run the World Today, quote unquote, by Søren Nielsen has a 2019 post titled The U.S. Secret Black Air Plans, misspelled, no final E, that looks at various black secret aircraft specced for the U.S. military by various companies with, for some reason, a long, long look at all of these companies' logos. Many of these vehicles feature in various UFO conspiracy sub-theories like the Boeing SR-200 Dart, nicknamed Flaming Pumpkin Seeds, the Lockheed B-5 Black Wraith, the FA-12A Black Eagle, the SR-85 Black Knight, the F-21 Black Crow, and the HTV-2X Black Swift, which was also supposed to use a pulse detonation engine to achieve Mach 6 and lots and lots of others. It's hard to tell if this is a serious website or if it isn't, but this particular post I'm talking about ends with this, quote, So next time you look up and see something you maybe think is a UFO, maybe, and I only say maybe, it's one of these here. I suspect the website is meant in earnest, and while Nielsen spends a lot of time on his many, many posts, he apparently cannot be bothered to use spellcheck. And then there's the Black Star, an orbital space plane for reconnaissance that's part supersonic jet and part rocket that supposedly was around in the 80s and 90s. This was according to a March 6, 2006 article in Aviation Space Week and Technology. They suggested that this was another Groom Lake secret, as it said on the issue's cover, and even had some images that they had created, because there are no photographs of it because this plane may or may not exist. They went on to report that the project was being scrapped. However, when reporters tried to follow up with their sources, the Air Force's Space Command said that they had never heard of the Black Star, and various experts, among them Jeffrey Bell, writing in Space Daily, said the whole thing had to be nonsense because satellites commonly in use today could do the exact same thing that this space plane was supposed to do, but much easier and much, much cheaper. So, I mean, why would they? Where did Aviation Week and space technology get their information anyway? Nobody knew. A month and a half after the original article appeared, The Register wrote an article titled Black Star, the U.S. Space Conspiracy That Never Was. There actually is a reusable robotic space plane called the Boeing X-37B, which started being used in 2010 and had its sixth mission in May of 2020. 
Apparently, it can stay in orbit for as long as a year. The old space shuttle hangars at Kennedy Space Center have been taken over by Boeing and reportedly is being used to house an entire fleet of these craft. Another black triangle-type craft that came out of Area 51 is the Northrop Grumman RQ-180, an unmanned craft with a wingspan of about 131 feet, 40 meters, used for surveillance that flies out of Edmonds Air Force Base. Supposedly, it was first deployed in 2015, but the Air Force continues to fail to confirm that it even exists. And it may not, in fact, be black, since its nicknames are the Great White Bat and Shikaka, which is a Great White Bat. The Black Black Knight Knight Satellite. Satellite. In December 1999, during mission STS-88, the first space shuttle flight to the International Space Station on the Space Shuttle Endeavour, the crew took a picture of something hanging in space above the Earth. NASA later said it was space debris, and later a journalist believed that he had narrowed it down even more, saying that it was a discarded thermal blanket. Litterbugs in space. Oh no, it's really alien technology in a near-polar orbit that NASA is trying to cover up, some people say. Well, if that's true, it kind of makes you wonder why those silly space shuttle people took a picture of it then, right? Of course, this got combined with a whole bunch of other stories, theories, and fantasies from a number of different sources that are often not related to each other, and they were sort of combined together into a large-scale cover-up conspiracy theory that is now known as the Black Knight Satellite Conspiracy. And the knight is K-N-I-G-H-T, by the way. According to the general thrust of this theory, it was a source of strange signals that Nikola Tesla detected in 1899, which he thought were communications from aliens, but which we now know were pulsars. It was the cause of odd echoes detected in Norway in 1928 by amateur radio guy Jürgen Hals. It was known to the Air Force in 1954, three years before any human beings had launched a satellite. This is according to Donald Kehoe author of the 1950 article, Flying Saucers Are Real, and a general early UFO guy. It was detected by the U.S. Navy in 1960, who first thought it was a Soviet spy satellite, and then they thought it was an American spy satellite that went off course. While orbiting in the Mercury 9, astronaut Gordon Cooper saw it, some say, but then transcripts of his radio communications with NASA were destroyed. Cooper is a little bit of a UFO conspiracy guy, however, and he talks about UFOs, at length in his autobiography, Leap of Faith, An Astronaut's Journey into the Unknown. Good title. In 1973, a Scotsman named Duncan Lunan thought he'd figured out that this object had been in the Earth-Moon system for 13,000 years. How he got that figure is complicated and not interesting. And that it had come from the binary star Izar, which means veil in Arabic, when it is about 202 light years from our solar system. Time magazine even wrote about this though Lunan had to later retract his theory when he was conclusively proven wrong, or when he was forced to shut up as part of the cover-up, whichever one it was. And then, of course, there are those people who take a lot of drugs and then read Philip K. Dick novels, confusing what he writes about with reality, just like his characters do. In his 1978 novel, Vallis, he says the reality we all think we see is actually a multi-sensory projection emanating from an orbiting space device of alien origin known as the Vast Active Living Intelligence System, or Vallis. Maybe that's real, and this is what Endeavor photographed. Eh? How did it get the name Black Knight? 
well, rather appropriately for conspiracy theories sort of cobbled together from lots of different parts, conjectures, and misunderstandings, it probably comes from this. Back in the late 1950s, the British had a series of intermediate-range ballistic missiles called Blue Streaks, which they wanted to upgrade using a Black Knight rocket, which was supposed to work with the Black Prince rockets to launch satellites. However, no satellites were ever successfully launched using the system, and the whole project was scrapped in 1960. So, the term Black Knight has nothing at all to do with an object that was photographed in 1998. But it does have something to do with space, and that tenuous connection seems to be enough for some folks. It really should come as no surprise that some of the Nibiru crew think that it's an object from the Anunnaki who are hanging out on the 10th planet waiting for their chance to return to Earth and re-enslave all of us, maybe with the help of various governments, rich people in the Vatican. The Black Knight could be a monitoring device from the Anunnaki, or maybe it's the power source for the Stargates that they left behind. Certain segments of QAnon certainly seem to believe this. For more on these topics, check the episode notes for links to some earlier episodes of Conspiracy Clearinghouse about the Anunnaki and Stargates and so on. Now, you might think I would be pretty remiss in an episode all about black and conspiracy theories, not to mention the men in black. But as I began to look into that phenomenon, it grew and grew and grew, and now has become a separate episode all its own. In fact, it will be the next episode of Conspiracy Clearinghouse. At the end of that episode, when I end up talking about John Keel, there'll be a possible solution to all the weirdness that's included in this episode, or at least a solution that is satisfying in a narrative sense. So we'll conclude all this black stuff in our next episode, all about the mysterious and menacing men in black. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.